Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, May 20th. We are coming off of a hot weekend of action here at Cracked Rackets on the tennis note. Obviously, the Rome Masters event, which we will be talking about on today's podcast. We also had an incredible NCAA tournament. Congratulations to the Texas men's tennis team and the Stanford women's tennis team on coming out as the 2019 NCAA champions. Westoff, if you could cue the applause. So all of that to talk about, so much more, of course, on the personal note, you listeners are aware, we had the absolute pleasure of attending Dalton and Hannah Thienemann's wedding this weekend. I was there, Max Rothman was there, Daniel Westoff, a ton of people from our Crack Rackets team who you guys all know and love, and we had a blast. I'm sure we will talk about that later in the episode, but let's talk a little tennis, and to do that, joining me as he always does on these Monday's podcasts, it is my doubles partner, partner in crime. And a man who can dance like few others. Maxwell DeBauer-Rothman, welcome back to the mini break. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I definitely danced my ass off this weekend. Uh, I can't believe you didn't mention the biggest event from today, which was the ending of Game of Thrones. And, and that yeah. will that will be coming uh, later on in this episode, as we always do. We'll, we'll give you a forewarning before we you know release any spoilers for those of you who didn't watch tonight. And if you didn't watch tonight, you're just not a true fan. Um but yeah, I mean, this weekend was absolutely wild from the wedding to, you know, Rome. Uh, you know, I got off the plane today and, and unfortunately the, the match was already over, but then I got to come home and watch the NCAA finals and I uh, got to, that was, that was fantastic and glad that, you know, Tennis Channel was covering it so that I could watch it uh, on my, on my TV and not on my live stream on the computer. Uh, but yeah, just a, an eventful weekend and uh, glad we both, you know, made it out of there alive yeah, is all I'm I just- can say. I'm just happy you got to watch a little bit of college tennis before the season ended. I was worried you were going to miss out on everything. Yeah. You like that one? That was a little little Sunday spice for you. Um, Yeah, Game of Thrones was good. I thought the event of the weekend was us getting into that Marriott lounge. I mean, that lounge was a (laughs) lifesaver. Thank you to uh, to Mr. Gruskin for for being a world traveler and having too many points at at Marriott and and allowing us to do that. I was about three water bottles away from just a way worse night. So yes, shout out to that. We will talk about all of that in our winners and losers section. I think the most amazing part is that we we set a rule pre-weekend that we weren't going to talk about cracked rackets and, and business, and we really didn't. Like, there, it slipped out here I was and there. Say, but- I broke on Saturday night. You did, which, which <laughs> but Expect- I think everyone was like, wait, 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 rule? Let's let's tone it back. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with us. I mean, Daniel Westhoff needed a lot of editing because he was in no place. Yeah, you know, he was everything was off the cuff for him this weekend. It was so we beautiful. Were the yeah, we had to see. We had the f-ing editing job to do this weekend, keeping him in check. But yeah, an absolute blast, and we will talk about all of that in more in our loser, winners and losers section. But Maxi, with that said, you ready to talk a little tennis? Let's do it. So the place we're going to start and the place we're going to focus on today, the Rome Masters event, as we mentioned, we aren't going to talk about the premier event, which went on simultaneously. We'll, I, I'm going to give Max uh, about uh, give him his time at the end to talk about the NCAA tournament as well. But for that uh, full recap, be on the lookout for a GSP this week. Me, Chris Hallioris. I think we're going to get Quentin Monahan on. I think we're going to get Matt Stokowiak on. There's a lot of things to talk about in the college tennis world, so we'll get back to that. But there's plenty to talk about in Rome when we left for the wedding. And for me, that's really where it's like two tales of tennis. There was everything pre-wedding and everything that happened during and afterwards. And when we left Rome, we were coming off of a rain delay uh, makeup day. All of the top seeds doubling up that day. Rafa, Djokovic, Federer. Uh, So they all had a ton of wear and tear on their body. And that kind of set the tone for this quarterfinal round, which is where we're going to start. Uh, Right off of the bat, let's do this real quick if you don't mind. Rothman because as you mentioned we did take a bit of a tennis hiatus so we didn't talk about this much a match we would have loved to see happen that unfortunately us fans weren't able to be treated to Roger Federer versus Stefano Tsitsipas Federer pulling out of the event uh, apologizing you know releasing a statement doing all the things you do and if you're the classiest man in the world aka Roger Federer uh, but for Tsitsipas he moves on there Federer he had doubled up the day before I believe he beat Paya or that might not be right. Maybe Cuevas. I don't remember exactly. And then he beats Chorich 7-6 uh, in the Sousa. third. 
Sosa, I knew it was one of the dirt ballers. Uh, and then he plays, you know, Chorich beats him 7-6 in the third. Uh, so a lot of wear and tear, five sets on the day, that long gap in between. I, I was reading through tennis Twitter. That was really my only way of getting updates because we were all immersed in the wedding action. But I read, I believe it was from Matt Zemek of Accent Tennis, made a really good point and uh, kind of talked about a four-fetter, you know, Yes, it's it's five sets, but him pulling out is more a testament to Rome kind of screwing up on that rain delay day. They had, if you read from the testaments from players, there was a lot of frustration on the player side. People were, you know, they weren't told play was canceled for the day until 8 p.m., so they had stuck around all day, kind of messed with their schedule. And, you know, uh, I think Dominic Team talked about it as well. Djokovic talked about it as well. Just the wear and tear that that puts on you as a player, that uncertainty of your schedule. So just to get this point out of the way, Roger Federer pulling out of this match, good decision, bad decision. And and speak well, to that that whole scheduling thing in general. Yeah, I'm going to talk about the scheduling thing first because, look, I, I, I heard that too. I mean, I heard Team say something about how he was kept there all day just to not ever even play. And and look, I mean, the tournament's doing their best to you know try and accommodate all the matches and figure out who's going to play when, and they would like to get the matches out. So, of course, they want to keep them there you know, in case so that they don't have to double up uh, the next day, which ultimately they did. And I don't know. I, I think this is a, a, you know, a little bit of tennis players just kind of being kind of hoity-toity and uh, a little bit kind of, they're, they're a little bit of a princess uh, here. Like, look, like, yeah, it's a little uncertain if you're going to play or not, and you might have to do a little more warm-ups or not. But, like, give me a break. Like, you're just, you're... Don't don't act like that is going to be the difference maker in you winning or losing a match. I, I've played plenty of tournaments back in the day where we had rain delays and you have to wait. And sure, like it's frustrating. Like yeah, I'd rather not sit there and you know get a little tired and, and get off my rhythm. But that that is not going to be the deciding factor of whether whether you win or lose a match. If you're ready to go out there and they tell you know you're going to be on in an hour, you start prepping. You you get get that food in, get your stretch going, get your prep. And go out there and play the tennis that you know how to play. I, I think that you know there's a little too much complaining from the players here. I, I want you but, to talk about the Federer point just to respond to you real quick. Yeah. One, I, I obviously, and I know you you would agree with this. It's a little bit different preparing for a Rome Masters quarterfinal than it of is course. the SoCal sectional. And I'm not you know saying that you're trying to make the exact comparison, but our girl Lisa Stone of at Parenting Aces also commented on, she saw some comment, and she said, oh, imagine if they had to play USTA tournaments, the complaining they'd be doing. Because, yeah, we've all dealt with rain delays. It's part of junior tennis. I agree with you. That being said, for a professional event to leave, the, it's a professional event. You have contingency scenarios. You prepare for these sort of moments all season long, and for them to just to botch that, and then, you know, they're double booking matches, and for the semifinals, which we'll talk about in a little bit, they're having Djokovic play so much later in the day than Nadal, and I think physically we saw from Djokovic that wear and tear in the final. I just don't think Rome did a good job of executing the tournament this year, and, you know, yes, you have to be prepared for adversity in any two-week Grand Slam. If you want to compete at that level, there's going to be adversity, but still, it's just, it's not a good, it's just a not not good look. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll probably kind of push back on uh, that, the Djokovic sentiment and him being tired later when we talk about the match. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like maybe there's some things that they could have done better to, to make it more efficient and, and a little bit you know more smooth. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I'll stick to my statement and say there was a little too much complaining. But on the Federer front, uh, I think I'm somewhat disappointed in that, you, you know, to an extent, I understand if you're injured and, you know, he says he wasn't feeling 100%. I think it was more just a play for him to rest and not lose a match and keep the confidence that he's had in, in his level of play so far and not go and lose a match to Tsitsipas. Um, but I think it's a little lame. I, I don't know. I, I think you go out there and you you tough it out. And yes, you had some t- some tough matches. But, um, you know, even... <laughs> it's, it's funny. I'm going to push back on myself. Uh, you know, I've, I've complained before that, you know, guys will go out there and knowing that maybe they aren't fit enough to play a match and they'll, you know, they'll default, you know, a couple games in and that's also just as frustrating. So, you know, may, maybe it's the, it is the classy thing to do. And, uh, but I, I think just overall, it, it's sad to not have seen that match because I think everyone would have loved to. See, I'm going to give a sneaky counterpoint here. 
I think Federer <coughs> made a good move. If you're listing favorites going into the French Open, Stefano Tsitsipas is going to qualify for that list. Now, I'm not saying he is the favorite or even in the top two. Obviously, there's a clear top two, but he is obviously uh, the players who showed a level of, okay, if they play their best, who knows what can happen. And maybe Federer's just like, look, I don't even want to give Tsitsipas a look of me on clay. I could see him in the quarterfinals. So if I'm not at my best, I don't even want to mess with that. I'm just going to call it a day here. I played five sets the day before. My body held up well. I won 7-6 in the third over uh, Borna Chorich, who, you know, is physically, it was his first match. He pushed Fed as much as he could. So I don't, I don't blame Fed. I think that's a fine decision. Obviously, I would have liked to see the match, but it's about maintenance now. That he's playing this year's clay season speaks to you know, the urgency that Federer has. And if there's any worry at all, you know, just sit this one out. Well, see, I think if you had, if you had, again, if you'd listened to me, uh, you, that was kind of agreeing with me. <laughs> and look, I, I, I agree. I'm, I, I'm saying that I, I think it, you know, is a strategic move for him to take some time, be rest, be rested, not lose the match to CC Pass, go into the French open and have the week beforehand to kind of prepare. But I, I again, like I, I do think that there is, a part of you that signed up for the tournament, you made it that far. You know, th- this shouldn't be the kind of thing where playing five sets in a day. That's a, that's not a good look if if that is too tiring for Federer going into the French. This time, you know, we've seen each other recently as we're getting sniped. You're accusing me of not listening to you. I wasn't even arguing with you. I was just saying that was my point. But you know, I it's think a someone's a little counterpoint uh, is arguing. No, the, the counterpoint was that Fed's being sneaky here. Ugh. Is that Fed's just like I'm not trying to give CT Pass a look at me, but whatever. We I I agree. Fair I think enough. we both agree. We would have liked to also, have seen it. Sorry to the fans who probably just heard me. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying fans, listeners. Maybe you're fans. I hope you're fans. But uh, I had an allergic reaction on the golf course on Saturday, <laughs> as as Alex knows. So there's still some uh, leftover sniffles and and raspiness in the voice. So apologies you def- if you hear that. You will definitely. Hey, you're uh, you're. I was gonna say your melanin count. I don't know if that's how it. Your your skin, your reactiveness. I don't know. Again, chemistry not my thing. One of the losers on the weekend. Your reaction. It was. To it was one of my losers. I was gonna bring it up. It was. Yeah. It was brutal. <laughs> All right, but, yeah, but we will save that for later. Back to the tennis. Yeah. With that, let's move on to our next match. So the first match we are going to be breaking down today. Uh, again, we'll stick with this quarterfinal round. Let me guess. This was the most entertaining of the quarterfinals. Dumpo Joker. Yeah, of course. Not a hot take at all. Novak Djokovic uh, matches up with Juan Martin Del Potro. Del Potro obviously coming back. Uh, this is one of, his, I think, his second tournament now back on the clay. And for him to make a quarterfinal, push Djokovic the way he did, so impressive. But in the end, just a little too much Novak Djokovic. He wins this match 4-6-7-6-6-4. Saves a couple of match points along the way. Does all all the things Novak Djokovic needs to do to win a match. He's extending points, coming up with miraculous gets at the net. You try and drop shot him. He wants to play little dinkum shots with you. That's when he, when he's improvising. That's when he's at his best. And in the end, I mean, this is the level when Novak Djokovic shows this, you think, okay, you know, he really could win all four Grand Slams this year. Yeah, and I was really surprised to see this level of play from Delpo. Uh, especially, you know, after the first round loss to Jiren, um, Madrid, you know, the, the week before, I, I really honestly, I'm not even sure I expected him to get through GoFen. I think I, I was talking to someone and saying, hey, if you want to make a sneaky bet on a first round loss, you know, that's a, a potential upset uh, with GoFen on, on the clay against Delpo, who, you know, as you said, is fresh off injury. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he played some some fantastic tennis as a, you know, a three set thriller and uh, you know, three hour, three set thriller, you know, it, it was physical tennis and you got to see Delpo kind of bringing out some of the signature shots that he's got in his arsenal, the forehand, you know, down the line and cross court, just all over the court was, was fantastic to see. And, and I think the thing that Delpo actually showed, uh, you know, some improvement on in this match was his backhand. I felt like I was, you know, I sometimes with, with Delpo's backhand, I'm like, Oh God. I mean, that's, that's always been the, the stroke for him. That's been, weaker and ever since the wrist injury he got he kind of results to the slice a little bit more but I felt comfortable watching him hit the backhand against Djokovic more than I usually do uh so I think that's something uh but look I mean Delpo's lost the last six matches he played against Djokovic and and this you know I I think this was his chance to to break that streak but uh wasn't able to pull it through even that he didn't break his streak, though, for him to come back uh, from injury and have this sort of result. Again, he had match points. I believe Djokovic came up with like a miraculous drop shot on one of them and just some. It, w- 
it was just so game. ballsy. It, yeah. Like I can't even. I, I was. I saw him go for it, and I was like, "No way!" And it, yeah. I mean, it was perfect. It was a perfect yeah. down the line. Yeah. And that's what Novak Djokovic does, and he's just ex- again he's extending points. Delpo at this point, he knows if I hit backhand slices, I'm fucked, so I can't do that. It's just not going to work for me, Djokovic. He's trying. Yeah, I thought he didn't hit as many backhands down the line as were available to him, and obviously for Djokovic, that's his go-to uh, put-away shot. But he just kept extending Delpo. You could tell once Djokovic got that break in the third set. I believe it was at three-two. Just there wasn't much steam left in there for Delpo. But for him, as you mentioned, a, a good round. He makes sixty-eight percent of his first serve points, wins seventy-one percent when he's able to hit that plus-one ball, be the one dictating and being aggressive. He's still so successful. And even better for him, he saves nine of the 11 break points he saved. He's coming up with big first serves on those points. But for him, you know, he gave Djokovic a few too many second serves. And that's just where Novak Djokovic pounced. And for Djokovic, he served well as well. 68% of his first serves go in. 67 first serve points he wins. 72% of his second serve points. He saves five of the seven break points. Uh that he faces. I guess we'll end with this match here. Given the level you saw from both of these guys, uh, in particular from Delpo, should we be, I I guess, just even sticking to Delpo because we know what we're going to get from Djokovic. Have you seen enough yet to feel confident, you know, second week of the French Open, definitely in the cards, or you need to see a little more, right? Yeah, definitely. I I mean, it's going to really depend on Delpo's draw uh, at the French, but you know, if you're if you're betting on him making a quarterfinal at the French, I think you're you're pushing your limit on on that. I I'm not sure he's going to be able to last five sets in a couple rounds. Um, not saying he's going to be pushed to a to five sets in, in multiple rounds, but if he gets some tough matches early on, I I'm a little worried that he won't be able to hold up in the second week. With Kevin Anderson being out, he's going to end up as a top eight seed. So very, it could be very interesting to see. Let's say he lands. I mean, they wouldn't do this, I guess, because Zverev will be the five seed. But if Zverev was the four, he lands in that quarter, maybe like the Dominic team quarter, maybe even the Federer quarter. We've seen what he can do uh, to the Federer back end. Just an interesting guy to monitor for sure. But all right, with that, we can move on to some of these other matches uh, from the quarterfinal round. Rafa Nadal doing his thing, knocks off Fernando Verdasco, 6-4, 6-0, just looking so good as he does, just so comfortable on the clay. He hadn't had a title before this week, and we'll talk about that a little more, but in this match, just doing all the things that make Rafa excellent. So we'll talk about him in a little bit. Diego Schwartzman, though, to round out the round, knocks out Kini Shikori, 6-4-6-2. In the process, Schwartzman becomes the first male player listed at 5-7 to make the semifinals of a Masters 1000 event. The way he was redirecting shots against Nishikori, it was an an incredible performance from Schwartzman. Absolutely, and, uh, you know, for all the short people out there, you (laughs) you can play tennis, you you can certainly be successful. Uh, There's some other, you know, short guys out there, and I bet, uh, you know, for for Peter Dinklage, I'm sure he's excited to see a, a fellow short guy out there, you know, like swinging a, away. On the... I feel like that was a shot at Dalton. Like, hey, if, if Diego Schwartzman can do it, so can you, DT. <laughs> <laughs> They're about the same height. Yeah, um, that's true. I would say Dalton's got better hair, but Diego's got a much better Dalton's backhand. hair looked good this weekend. That's, Dalton, that's for sure. The, yeah, the flow was there, and... You know, he was whipping it back and forth. It was it was sweet. But yeah, yeah I mean, Schwartzman, man, I, I, I think he's someone that always – it's weird because I've, I've seen him in tournaments recently and not seeing him as a seed. You're kind of like, oh, that's like a sneaky underdog. And calling him an underdog is crazy. The dude is unbelievable from the ground and on the clay he moves so well. And I, I think, again, is going to be someone to, to look out for in the French. Number 20 in the live rankings, again, given that not everyone above him will be playing the event. He will have the opportunity to make a third or fourth round, depending on how his draw breaks down. So, yeah, definitely someone to monitor. But you mentioned excellent flow. I think that's a perfect way to transition into our semifinal matches. Uh, The one I want to start with, the man with arguably the best flow on tour. And in fact, given that he's leading the ATP in wins and singles, he, his game has been flowing quite well as well. Number eight seed Stefano Tsitsipas gets that additional day of rest, but in the end, it just doesn't matter. We see too good of a performance from Rafa Nadal, who learns from his uh, mistakes the week prior in Madrid and knocks out Tsitsipas 6-3-6-4. Max, we did talk about this match a little bit and just Nadal in general in Indy, and the, the biggest takeaway that we 
keep coming back to. The aggressiveness, the vitriol with which he is hitting his ground strokes, in particular the backhand. I know he's always had a vicious swing, but he just seems to be going after these balls in a different way than he did earlier in his career when he could afford to you know, hit the ball with a little more margin, a little less pace because he could track everything down. And I mean, he just took it to Tsitsipas for the entirety of this match. I mean, here's the thing. He still is tracking everything down, but I agree. He ah! said... No, he is. You're, okay. you're ridiculous. If you My counterpoint, because you're like, oh, look at the way he's flicking his forehands down the line. But, like, back in the day, he's not flicking that. He's getting there with the beautiful footwork and just swinging beautifully. Eh, not always. Now like, it's just I've, like a- I've seen that. I've seen that flick forehand and those stretch yeah. backhands too many times. But, but just the way uh, he swings the backhand now, I love it. The rack. No, I agree. I mean, he's he's said in uh, some of the the press conferences like he needs to go out there and be aggressive, and he's right. He when he, I think there were times in the match uh, with Cici Pass before in Madrid where he wasn't aggressive enough, and I think he you know went to the film, looked at what he needed to change and do different, and he did exactly that. I mean, starting from. The very first game, if you the, the second set, he gets excuse me. The second game of that first set, he breaks Tsitsipas and he does you know one of those flick forehands on, on, after a pretty wild point, uh, you know as you mentioned. But yeah, uh, <laughs> if you guys could have seen that little swing from from Gruskin over the over FaceTime, it was pretty good. But uh, yeah, I mean Nadal just I, I think there was a little bit of vengeance in him. He looked ready to. Just whoop Tsitsipas out there. He he was. I could see a little bit of anger in his eyes. We're ready to win that match. I think the thing he learned is I have to be the aggressor because Stefanos is going to step up as much as he can. Absolutely. And, and I know Stefanos in this match only hits 19 second serves, but he only wins eight of those points. Anytime Rafa had the chance to change direction on Tsitsipas or be the one to open it up with a little more angle, just keep working Tsitsipas uh, half a step by half a step over on that ad side. And then he opened up the forehand down the line for himself beautifully. I thought he uh, we keep mentioning this. He's coming to the net more and more and he seems to get better and better at it now for Stefanos he didn't play a bad match I mean you look at some of his stats makes 64 percent of his first serves wins 76 percent of those points gives himself uh, two break point chances but only allows Nadal to get four break point chances so it's not as though Nadal was working his way into every Tsitsipas serving game but I mean I this is harsh to say because you're playing Rafa Nadal on clay and it's not like any player other than, again, a prime Djokovic really gets a plan B or a second chance against Nadal on this surface. But that was the thing for Tsitsipas is there was no plan B today. He had to keep hitting through his mistakes, taking more and more chances at that scoreboard, got closer and closer to the finish line. And, and again, you're playing the greatest clay court player of all time. So it's okay that you lose this, but there was just no plan B today. There was no adjustment from him. So, you know, it, it's crazy because we, we've had this multiple times this weekend where, you know, we're just we're in sync with what's happening. <laughs> um, I was literally about to bring up the, the idea that I, I think, well, I, I just don't see this enough from Paz when he played Nadal the last two times. He doesn't seem to go to the backhand slice enough. And it, and it blows my mind. Sometimes I'm watching him try and take these, like, high, heavy, one-handed backhands. Like, I can't even believe he puts them back in the court. But I think uh, there, I saw a couple times in this match the when Nadal gets those heavy forehands or even sometimes the heavy backhands high up to Tsitsipas' one-hander, he left them a little short. And I think that's when, again, that plan B could come in. He could take those high slices like Federer does, cut them low, get, you know, give himself a little bit more time to get back into the court. And I think that it's something that he might need to look to, you know, look towards uh, if he plays Nadal again and maybe in the French Open. What about the fact, though, that Nadal being a lefty, you give him a slice, you give him time to hit his forehand? I mean, why does Roger Federer always lose him? No, that's what I'm saying. So in this match in particular, like, I completely agree with your point at large. In this match in particular, I don't know how easy that would have been to do. My other thing I would say about it, in the Federer-Chorich match, which we won't talk about, but the way Federer made an adjustment in that second and third set is he started really elevating the backhand, really uh, borderline lobbing it, just trying to get as much depth as possible. I don't think I've ever himself. seen him do that before, by Which the way. Which is what I'm saying. Do you think that would have been an adjustment for Pass today? Or against Nadal? I don't know. 
Because that was that would have been the. I feel like that's even. You know, do you want to give Nadal you know, more time? You know who who has been doing that too a little bit is Djokovic. It's weird. Like I, I actually, and maybe I just didn't used to watch quite as intently, but I feel like I'm seeing a lot of players kind of airing the ball out. I feel like I've seen team do it, and maybe that's something that they're just realizing works. Um, but. I'm seeing these guys really put some air under the ball and give themselves, you know, time to get back into the court. Yeah, that really that seemed to be an adjustment. I agree with you though. It's about adjusting. Tsitsipas has one plan on the back end. He's going to fire through, and it, it obviously him being in the top ten is a testament to how much success he's had this year with that game plan. But it's just about broadening your toolbox. You know, there's going to come a time. Second week of the French Open, you're playing someone who's just got that little extra firepower. And what are you going to do to adjust uh, if you're Stefano Tsitsipas? That's something I'm sure we'll both be monitoring moving forward. Definitely. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, with that, we can move on to our other semifinal. We don't have to talk about this one too much because I'm sure we will talk about, and we have talked about uh, Djokovic enough, and we'll talk about that final. But for Djokovic, he uh, ends up winning his match against Schwartzman 6-3-6-7-6-3. I mentioned this earlier. This was the later of the two semifinals, and there is something to being said about, you know, wanting to play all these matches on stadium courts. But I just feel like... You've got a what a noon or like a one p.m. start time for the final, and Djokovic is getting off court ten ten thirty. It's just not a good look for Rome. That being said, I mean physically, Novak Djokovic again. I don't know if he's as fast as he was in say twenty twelve twenty thirteen, and just as reckless with his explosiveness. But the way the guy can stretch and just extend and balance and almost do the splits on the surface, it's just always a pleasure to watch yeah i mean i I think you're crazy if you think he's lost a step he's just as fast as he used to be Uh, now he now he has i think he started um, eating gluten (laughs) well we we can bring that question to the press room see if see what he says excuse me no no (laughs) you know who asked that question philip (laughs) got it got it (laughs) midwest off go on but um, yeah. I mean, look, there are a few things about this match. The timing wise, getting back to that point, I I agree. I don't know why they couldn't have just played the final at like four o'clock. That's that's great time for some tennis. Um, it'd be great for me too. I would have gotten to see some of it. That's what I'm uh, asking. But, this is really just a yeah, rant for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, honestly, the the best part of this match was the beginning. They brought out freaking Spider Man. Spider Man comes out, does like. <laughs> Four quadruple backflips and then just lands on the court and everyone's just like losing their mind. And he takes pictures with with uh, Djokovic and Schwartzman before the match started. That was sweet. Uh, I didn't even need to see the match after that. I was like, I got enough. Uh, that was good. I've been saying it for years, but tennis is the most unintentionally comedic sport out there. And like, <laughs> how funny would it have been if instead of like they have a body double for Schwartzman, but the Spider Man takes off the mask and it's just Diego it's like doing the four. <laughs> That would have been. That's how I would have written that script. Uh, which you if know. well, if, if Schwarzman comes out as Spider Man, is Djokovic coming out as Venom Iron Man? No, Venom for <laughs> Venom. sure. He's a villain. He if anyone's gonna like do their own alien accent in a movie like Tom Hardy did for Venom, it's Novak Djokovic in the Novak Djokovic Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm now just thinking of like who all the, who every player's Marvel character is. Do you write that as Joke a Witch? Is he a Joke a Witch? Is that like the easy joke? Wait, what would his super name be? Well, that, that that's a BG. No, the, no, no. The BG one is it's the Joker because that one's way obvious. Right. But it's like right. I'm trying to think of the second most obvious. Come on. Yeah, Table know. this thought. This is a yeah. That's a that's yeah. A we we might have to come back. I'm thinking like who's going to be Thanos? Like, <laughs> I mean Delpo, obviously. Who's the only person thinking. on? He's the only person on tour strong enough to do the snap. I guess that's another spoiler. There's got to be some other guys who are Dude, just as strong. No, right? Roger Federer. If you ever seen Federer in person, you obviously have. Federer is obviously Iron Man. He's 75 percent leg. Like it's there's <laughs> so much leg, and then you just like he's got my arms, hairy and like thin and, and just like and scrawny. Yeah, clearly in need of nutrition. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's okay. We're we're off the rails. This is just, just Nadal's right. Thor. That's all I know. Nadal <laughs> or CT Boss's no. Thor, but that's just a hair comparison at this point. Have you seen Endgame? 
Yeah, of course. He's fat, Thor. I mean, post <laughs> this point of his Natal, that's like, he's fat, Chris Hemsworth. Not that he's fat, it's just like, that's where I feel like he's at mentally. No, that's Curios. Curios <laughs> is fat, Thor. No, Curios is Doctor Strange with all the freaking hand motions. Oh, God. Doing his own thing, throwing chairs and... Uh, yeah, whatever. But all right, any final thoughts on this Djokovic-Schwarzman match? Or can no, we talk about the main let's, event? Let's talk about the final. All right, let's do it. Then for our final, as we mentioned, number one, uh, number one, Novak Djokovic, number two, Rafa Nadal. Before we even talk about the match, just a fun fact for you, Maxie. Do you know there have now been more Rafa Nadal-Novak Djokovic head-to-head matches than Super Bowls played? <laughs> that's that's a good one. Did you get that one from... Uh... From tennis Twitter? No, I got that one from myself. Uh, no, oh. I, uh, I think that was from West John. Off, round uh, of applause. <laughs> no, false round of applause uh, because <laughs> I definitely got it from John Wertheim. Okay, fine. Westoff rewind. Uh, yeah, a lot of. I don't know if Westoff is. He might still be too drunk to edit, so I'm trying not to ask too much of him on this one. But there, there, his BAC is definitely high enough where he shouldn't be driving. What is. Uh, Never mind. He definitely listens to this show. I'm not going to throw him under the bus. But you do. All right. What is Mr. Thieneman's BAC at this point? Two days later. (laughs) I don't think his BAC has been under point one for for ages probably <laughs> since the 60s um, <laughs> oh, right. yeah we love you though mr theater okay let's talk a little do. tennis though please uh rafa nadal novak Djokovic, as we mentioned in this final nadal comes out all guns blazing takes a 6-0 for a set over uh, novak Djokovic, who looked as hungover as mr Thieneman. then uh novak comes back in that second set takes it 6-4 after he gets a good sweat in um, and then Rafa just too much in the third six one. I guess what did you? This is really a tale of three separate sets. They were none of them were really that related. But what did you see in this match? I mean, my my first thought was just I mean after seeing the first set, look I've I've not I've not it's not that I've been bagging on Nadal, but I've definitely made comments that he's losing a step and you know maybe this is the year where someone takes him down. And I've been, you know, praising Djokovic for his level of play. And then that first set happened, and I was like, oh, my God, I am so wrong. <laughs> and Rob Thomas sent that so, hilarious so gif in our Slack that I think Dalton posted on Crack Rackets with the spanking. Yeah, that yeah. That was pretty it funny. That was good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the dude just – Djokovic didn't miss. I mean, excuse me. Nadal didn't miss. He changed directions all over the court. He – Ripped the absolute shit out of the ball. I mean, it was just like you were watching a the king the king of clay play Djokovic, who couldn't answer it. It was crazy. I I couldn't even believe it. It's you know essentially the same thing, not the same thing in the third set. I think Djokovic played a smarter third set. Uh, those first couple games were definitely tight uh, or tighter, I guess. But it really it was an unbelievable showing from Nadal and. I think I I don't know what the the Bovada odds were pre this match and post this match, but I bet you now they are way more in favor for Nadal winning the French. It was funny. I saw the odds. I think Nadal was like minus four hundred coming into this final, and I wanted to text you or maybe just like roll over and be like Max, like you want to bet this morning? But I then yeah. I thought to myself like I don't know, Djokovic just played <clears throat> so late into the night that might not be a good idea. And yeah, from the Rafa perspective, he did everything he wanted to do in this match. He made a bunch of first serves, making 73% of them, uh, played a really aggressive tennis with his serve plus one, uh, didn't get into long rallies with Djokovic. I thought Djokovic didn't hit that many backhand down the lines in this match. It just wasn't clicking the way it usually does, the way it has to. Again, Against Rafa Nadal, and for Rafa, you know, he only faces two break points on the match. Again, really did everything he needed to do, um, and I feel like we've talked about him enough. But from the Djokovic perspective, for what you're taking away from this match, for me, it's number one: uh, when I make my ser- first serve, when I'm playing aggressive, I can still give myself opportunities against Nadal. 
Number two, uh, I mean, his second serve. There's just no spring. When I talk about Djokovic's legs being tired in this final, this second serve stat really reflective. Goes 7 of 24 on second serve points, winning only 29% of them. I mean, Rafa was just able to dictate with the return, and Djokovic wasn't able to get the point back to neutral. Djokovic faces 17 break points in the match. Again, it speaks to Nadal really uh, asserting himself in those return games. But... That Djokovic was able to get that second set against Rafa, I'm sure mentally he's thinking to himself, because again, it's going to be completely different circumstances should they match up in the French Open final. I think that's a positive you take away for Djokovic is, okay, I didn't play my best today. Rafa was definitely the better player. But I know, once again, you know, it, not that he didn't know what he needed to do before. As I mentioned, they've played more than Super Bowls. But he, it's again, it's just that reminder of, okay, this is the level of play. This is the effort it takes to beat Rafa on clay. He has reminded himself of that. I, I agree. That I, was a I long think, rant, by the way. Sorry. Yeah, I was trying to think of what the first thing I wanted to respond to was. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I'm a guy that kind of likes to look at uh, trends and superstition. <laughs> I'm a simple man. Uh, that's not what I was saying. But uh, <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no. I meant like that was the tone. You're not a simple. I'm saying I'm a simple <laughs> man who looks at trends and superstitions. You know, I'm just the kind of guy that <laughs> likes to do what I like to do. I like a good two um, percent in the morning. <laughs> what? What kind of? Are we talking cocoa krispies or? Oh, dude, any cereal with two percent milk is like it's like dipping it in cream. It's delicious. But I come from a skim milk family. But go on, go on. I'm a lactate family. We have too many, <laughs> yeah. too many stomach problems You're over here. In almond the milk du jour. If I was to describe you as one food, whoa, 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 it would be whoa. almond not, milk. I'm not LA basic almond milk guy. I'm lactate. Give me that real lactose free goodness. <laughs> all, all the chemicals. Yeah, that's that's us. Um, but just looking at the trend of these two in their last matches, uh, you know they they've kind of traded off going back and forth with. You know, Nadal winning back-to-back uh, against Djokovic in Madrid and Rome uh, in 2017 and 2018. Then Djokovic wins the next two matchups against him in Wimbledon and Aussie Open. And then Rafa wins this match. I think if they see each other in the French, it's going to go to Nadal. I think, I think he's got his number now. He is starting to kind of figure things out on his end, be more aggressive. And... Look, Djokovic talked about how, you know, he was maybe a little tired in this match because of the, you know, the late night match at, at 10 and having to play the next day. If you're complaining about playing that close, and I know, again, that you get more rest in the Grand Slams, you're, then you're not mentally tough enough to go beat Nadal in five sets on, on the clay. Simple as that. You talk about the trends, the matches you mentioned, Nadal winning all on clay. Oh, 2017, 2018, Real Madrid, whatever those are clays. The ones Djokovic did, not on clay. So yes, I agree with you. And I'm not sure what their exact head-to-head record is on the surface, but uh, you know Nadal is going to be the favorite heading into the French. He didn't have a title coming into this week, as we mentioned. He gets that now. And I have a bunch of cool stats from one of my favorite counts at Trenton Jocks that I'll read for you now just from Nadal. With this title, he uh, now has the most consecutive years with an ATP title, breaks the tie with Federer. He records his record 20th win versus ATP World number ones, breaking a tie with Benjamin Becker. His 34th Masters title, that's a record. First to win 25 Masters on one surface that, again, anyone uh, when you're dividing the greatest of all time arguments, Nadal's the best on clay, Federer on grass, Djokovic on hard court. That's just where you have to start. He's the oldest man to win a Rome championship in the open era. And he now has, as I mentioned, the most wins over ATP World Number Ones. Becker with 19. Just from perspective for you, Djokovic has 13 in fourth place. Andy Murray with 12 uh, consecutive seasons with an ATP title. Nadal's at 16, which is an active streak. Federer's 15 seasons in a row streak was snapped, I believe, in 2015 or 16. Djokovic, though, right on his trail with 14 um, uh, consecutive seasons with a title as well. That's active. And now to set the scene after Rome. With Nadal winning Rome, it's his the first season uh, since 2003 with five different Masters champs before the French Open. The first since 2014 that Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic have all won Masters titles. And the first since 2012 that they've all won one since uh, before the French Open starts. I mean, we talk about being a transition year, Rothman, and then you hear stats like that and you're like, ugh. 
damn it. Like, maybe not. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> not that this is surprising, but, you know, we, we talked about how, what, there were, before this tournament, there were, like, 19 new winners of 21 tournaments. Well, Nadal is, you know, now the first guy to defend his title uh, for the year. So, you know, it. I, you're right. You know, I, you think that there's a new wave coming in and then you're like, Oh God, these guys are still just dominating at all fronts. And they're, you know, in every semifinal and every final. And, uh, so yeah, we're not, I don't think we're losing them. No, it's like quite we, yet. We get all excited and it's like, Oh wait, never mind. Djokovic is winning the Australian. Oh wait, never mind. Nadal's winning the French. It's like nothing. Oh action. wait, Fed's going to win Wimbledon. Oh wait, Wake Forest is going to win the NCAA title. Oh, actually oh, maybe okay. not. And that leads First me to only. our transition because I believe we have hit everything we want to hit about Rome today. Although we will be doing a ton of French open preview stuff this week. As we know, that tournament starts next Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. But Maxi. I promised I would let you give your takes on Texas. It is a fresh perspective on college tennis. Let me know what did you think of the uh, of the NCAA final today of the men's final. Well, first of all, you know a little throwback to seeing those courts and seeing you know Lake Nona as beautiful as ever, and you know it's a great venue for for everyone to get to watch. But uh, I mean, look, it, it was really good tennis you you saw the nerves in the players there there was a you know a, a lot of matches where guys had opportunities to break and and then guys that were up you know I, I want to say it was the sixth spot um yeah Banzer you know was I think he was down or excuse me was was up 5-0 in the second set and uh Banthia just kind of came back and you know kept winning game after game and, you know, got to that 5-4 and ultimately wasn't able to, to you know, take the second set. But you, you saw the the real nerves in the players and everyone was loud. You know, I think the, the two big things that, that stood out to me, you know, Gojo just didn't look like he had it in him. Uh, and, and I watched some highlights from uh, his match in the semifinals. He was fired up and, you know, was loud and clapping and getting into it. And, and there was just literally none of that from him uh you know kind of spraying some balls that I, I just not playing high percentage tennis that I kind of expected to see and you know I got to give credit to Sigsgard who played some really solid tennis and smart and and steady uh and it's funny too because I went to the I forget what the tournament's called the the one in Malibu the you know not an all-american tournament but one of those early college tournaments before the season starts back uh in November that uh, I got to watch Sigsgard play, and, and I remember watching him and, and thinking, I didn't know what he did that was special and, and what allowed him. But I mean, he won. He ended up, you know, getting to the finals of that tournament. And the dude is just smart. He plays really, really smart tennis, uh, and you know, you need that at this level of play. Do I think he's gonna, you know, be a professional tennis player and, and make it high in the ranks? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I see the weapons there, but he he played some really good tennis today. And then, of course, the match you, you kind of have to bring up uh, the the Yuya Ito versus Petros match. The you know the clinching match for the t- for today, and you know Ito just played some. Just he, he had the grit. He really had the grit. He he buckled down. He played tough points. He, some solid defense, but he was pushing Petros around. And uh, as the defending you know NCAA champ, that must have been. Uh, something you know he hasn't experienced much on the court. Uh, overall, really fun match to watch. You know, lots of back and forth. I mean, Botzer had a chance to I think clinch at three uh, in that match. Um, excuse me, Tellis had a, a chance to to clinch at three, and Botzer you know fought back in that second set in a, in a really intense tiebreak. Um, again, it was so fun to watch. If, if you're, you know, looking forward to, to watching college tennis in the future, this is a match that'll hype you up and uh, it'll show you why this is such a fun sport to watch. I'm just a little salty that they don't have our posters still up in Lake Nona. Like, I, I really expected them to do, like, the panoramic view and then they show, you know, you and I just kissing the trophy or whatever. Kind of like, like when we went back to to Nationals That's in, what I'm saying. Uh, they had in North it up. Carolina. We saw Brendan. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, well, God. I have a lot of thoughts on that NCAA tournament, the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, 
my thought, you know, we can transition into winners and losers. I really, we are so sorry we couldn't get you guys updates after the quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. Unfortunately, the only updates was me chirping in Rothman's ear all golf is, oh, Englandson just, he broke back or now he's down to break, whatever. Um, But obviously, huge breakdown coming your way later in the week, so be on the lookout for that. But with that said, let's do our final thing now. Rothman and Kale have been doing a lot of the Sunday uh, night pods for Monday, and they like to have it where, uh, uh, you know, at this point they will say, if you have Game of Thrones spoilers, whatever, the final episode, this is where you tune out. They like to give you that clear warning, so that is what we are going to do with you now. But we will also say... If you want to hear about the wedding, don't tune out because we're going to try and mix those in and out. I'm sure there will be some comparisons used between the two instances. But with that said, Maxie, you ready to do our winners and losers of the weekend? Yeah, I have no idea how that's gonna sound in the mic, but it, you know how it sounds in person. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll take that as a sign you're ready. You want to start with game? Let's start with the wedding, can't we? Because that was <laughs> yeah. Sorry, um, we we'll, we'll get on too long of a tangent on yeah. Thrones. But no, the, no the I disagree. We might get too long of a tangent. Uh, okay, the winners, the Thenaman, the Thenaman male bloodline, I suppose, because that is a handsome group of men who can handle their alcohol and boogie with the best of them. What a time. They said the Uncle Thieneman, oh my, he did the worm. We had a 55. And it was like, the best was because it kind of distracted because let me be honest, I danced my booty off and like, I was sweaty. I was very, very sweaty. And I I wasn't the only one. Don't even talk to me about sweat. like, as he's doing the worm, I just watched these puddles come off of his shirt, and I was like, yes, like, <laughs> no one will think, notice me now. I think the only guys sweatier than us were the Thieneman uncles. Yeah, which brings me to my second winner, the open bar. Like, I mean, I don't know how, <laughs> who was perspiring what, but it was boozy in there. And I mean, I, that was my first, I always, and I say this lovingly, but... Us Vildechai don't uh, maintain that goyim drive, and so it was just me out of my comfort zone. I mean, it was just an incredible. It was, mm, I loved it. It just was an atmosphere. I mean, the funniest part about the bring it back to your first winner with the the Thieneman bloodline was noticing. I mean, we obviously hadn't seen them all of them in person, and the second they turned around <laughs> at the service you're like oh that is a brother <laughs> that is a brother right there look at that hair the seat is um, strong it is it, it is it's it's awesome and the hair they all have the hair that the hair. beautiful quaff like perfectly yeah. parted uh, it's just me having hair envy uh, we should have said obvious winner our girl hb now ht who looked beautiful obviously a lovely yes. ceremony we were so happy to have her what other Game of Thrones comparison? She is our queen. Another winner, Table Eleven, big time. Table winner. Eleven, Steve, our boy, Steve, Steve, Steve. Steve. <laughs> um, am I missing you know, any winners? You know us, yeah. Uh, the uh, the hors d'oeuvres. Um, oh, you know you know us, big big foodies here on the podcast. Shrimp cocktail, delightful, delightful shrimp cocktail, but. The winner was the lamb chop. They had okay. A I thought for a second lamb chop. I'm honest. When I was like recollecting, because during the hors d'oeuvres and the ceremony was probably when I was at my booziest, and like I kind of I remember the lamb chop. I remember being like, "Where the hell have these been? Like, what?" Yeah, <laughs> they just came out of nowhere. I, I remember I turned to a I turn around and Ariza's got a full lamb chop in his mouth. I'm like, "Are you kidding? <laughs> Where the hell did this come from? Get me this shit ASAP." Um, but yeah, so the uh, the lamb chop was was a winner. What other what other winners do I have? Uh, oh, the trumpets, the random trumpets <laughs> in the ceremony. These, like these, the, uh, again, Game of Thrones comparison. These are like the long trumpets that you would see, uh, you know, if Khaleesi was walking out and, or, you know, any of the kings were walking out on, you know, to the, the red carpet, if you want to call it that. It's one of those, you know, long trumpets. And they, these guys had the white flags hanging from them and <laughs> they just came out there and they're playing the wedding music. It was, it was awesome. I like, have that, one more that one. gave me a, a nice smile. Another winner, our basketball game. Man, like for a five on five, we were going coast to coast. 
ghost. We were moving the rock. We were just also as as the only two Jews in the court. We uh, we balled out pretty pretty <laughs> Dude, well. We <laughs> played that JCC fundamental style, and they just couldn't <laughs> handle our layup lines. I mean, we were cruising. We they were also uh, so much more hungover than we were because. They were there Thursday. That's fair. We were, and so I think we were the only ones who could get hey, up I'll, and I'll play, down. I'll play the tired card. I took a red eye and yeah. then woke up an hour later and played 8.30 a.m. basketball. So Hooper's can, hoop. Yeah. Now, yeah. We ball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to think. Other winners we've mentioned, Westoff and his escapades. Dalton doing that first dance, I thought he was going to freestyle. I mean, he was just he was wonderful. The freestyling last night, you dropped a killer beat as you always do. That was a blast. Uh, <laughs> shout out to our my bo- uh, you know, our Sorry. boy producer behind the scenes at my former roommate Michael Azaparty. He knows what he supplied for the weekend, and we love him as always. Um, yeah, just, Jackson or excuse uh, me, uh, Jackson. No, that's was, a perfect transition par- to our losers. Oh yeah, PT <laughs> killed killed with the great back. great speech killed yeah. the speech absolutely set another just great tone for the night but all right you mentioned jackson let's get to the losers talk about a man who could not handle his booze for the weekend <laughs> he was dying on the basketball court you know actually did okay at the wedding and then last night him and gallagher and their friend passing out on the couch was the best case scenario for all parties involved it was yes. like thank yes. god these like oh my god other losers my my golf game i i'm i need a like a drive i need to learn how to hit the driver i'm a driver away from being competent yeah i, I, I every time i wanted to give you a tip but then I realized you would just get too angry. It was like trying to give you tips when we were skiing. It wasn't helpful. It's you not like even listen. angry. It's just like it's just like it's not worth it. Just let me do my thing. I'm enjoying <laughs> yeah. myself. Yeah, I'm trying to watch the Florida Texas match. <laughs> just leave me alone. Um, I'm trying to think other losers. I mean, I have a lot of I, thoughts. I don't want to get anyone I, in trouble. <laughs> I wrote I wrote this one down just because I, I know you'll agree. The fact that we didn't give any sort of speech at any point. We Dude, we should you know I was ready to MC, <laughs> of course. Why of didn't course anyone stand? I was like, come on, to Dalton and Hannah. <laughs> like I was ready for the. Oh, we should have done it. I wanted the toast. I have a lot. I mean, <laughs> Sam. I mean, I would say the biggest losers were dance partners, as in you and I couldn't find any good dance partners for the night, and that was a little upsetting. Because the fact we got that to we were each up. other's best part dance partners <laughs> was not okay. <laughs> I have I have a lot of th- I don't want to get in trouble. I don't know how many Thenemans listen to this. Right, no, you know what? Maybe maybe violin. Do it a quick violin, and yeah. then you can just say. All right, yeah. West off, please give me a quick violin. back uh yeah i agree gallagher last night oh and yes to everything you just said yes yes and i agree all right i think we i think we need to do some quick thrones takes before before this gets too long all right uh hit us off okay oh boy um I'm going to first of all say i don't think this episode was as disappointing as everyone else is gonna say I think I'm pleasantly happy with the Danny situation. I'm pleasantly happy with the, you know, who the the decision to make Brun the, you know, king of the, or I guess the six kingdoms now. Um, I'm pleasantly happy with John going to the north and being with the wildlings. I, I actually think that's a very suitable ending for his storyline. I love Arya going to f- explore that's amazing. That that is exactly what that girl needed to do. She needs to go be Christopher Columbus and find the sail west and find the new world. Not my um, joke, but what I heard is after killing the White Walkers, a year of tough studying, she's taking a year abroad. That that is that is a good great joke. joke. Great joke. That's a that's a brunch. But uh, <laughs> if Westoff wants to throw that one in, um, Sansa, I think demanding that the North be. You know its own thing. Its own thing again. I'm like, all right, relax. You're getting a little. She she's a little power hungry, um, but I, I think it's you know good that she's you know queen of the north. Um, what else? I honestly thought Cersei was not dead for a second. I was I was convinced that 
that you know Tyrion was going to walk over there, lift First a rock, if, and she was going to be like, If your body's <laughs> been decaying under stones for a day, you don't look that sexy. It's just a fact. Yeah, and yeah it's true. They both it's looked ridiculous. way too sexy to have been decaying for a day. Um, I was also really hoping that the dragon just literally blew fire all over John, and then John was chilling because he's like a Targaryen and and you know can't be affected by the fire, or whatever. That would have made my day. Um, but overall, yeah, I, I I'm honestly I'm fairly pleased with the ending. Well, look, I think people who aren't creators like you and I are, you know, you and I, we, they've, they've never created content. We create content all the time. We have to deal with difficult story arcs. What am I going to do with the plot development of a character as dull as a Jamie McDonald? You know, that's something we struggle with daily here at Crack Rackets. <laughs> so these people don't understand you. It's hard to satisfy everyone. Sometimes on a Thursday, you got to throw in a Kale Hammond appearance. Like, I'm tired. Like, Drogon needs to sleep. Bring in the, the backup dragon, and that's, I guess, Kale. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Wait, yeah, let me just start with the, you know You know who the real backup dragon is. <laughs> right. I'll do my second one of the day. Rhymes with Hilotama. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we'll, we'll know if, if he look, listens, if he says anything. Yeah, no one makes it to minute 58 or whatever, so I'm not worried. Uh, <laughs> um, let me think. Um, I mean, it's just, it was so obvious. Uh, I, I don't. You know. thought it was obvious that that he was you gonna saw, stab her. You saw that he was oh, gonna stab that, her in yeah, the chest. Like, that's that fine. Was so obvious. And like Tyrion, first of all, baller move, Tyrion. But the real Danny, the Danny. If if I'm writing that, if we're creating that, Danny kills Tyrion on the spot, like for sure. I also think. And yeah. look, you know my thoughts on democracy. Uh, but if Samuel Tarly at that meeting of the elders, like in, in true Game of Thrones fashion, the second he's like, we should let everyone vote, they should have shot him with a crossbow on scene. Just been like, shut the f*** up. Like, don't you talk. Who said you could talk in this final scene? Like, not me. So that would have been way more Game of I Thrones. I also thought, um, what's his face? The worm was just going to stab him. Oh, great. Yeah. Dude. I, I, I thought he was literally just going to be like, screw this. You're dead. You... You're, you betrayed my queen. Great shows literally from saying like, oh, you're like, this is not an acceptable gift to me at all. To Actually, that's perfectly acceptable. You know what? You guys don't actually have to get me anything. Yeah, Grey Worm the Worm. He he kind of got on my nerves there Dude, at the end. Also, the three-eyed so being king. Like, the three-eyed I'm excited about that. Dude, that was great. Get your three-eyed. It's, like, I'm just so, ugh. I just want the most ridiculous part is that like that, you know. Danny dies, and then all of a sudden, all of them are just there, dude. Like, there's not that many of them did, left. They're just not. How did, I watched all of you die. Like, the Night King literally committed genocide to the Dothraki, and we're gonna say there's that many of them left. Just not true. Yeah, the, the, there were not. some some unrealistic aspects of of this episode. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, and, and it's a fantasy. Oh, you know what's unrealistic, really? The dragon's not realistic? Um, yeah, like, I agree with you, of course. And it's just, no one's going to be happy because everyone wants it to end in their own mind. And again, they're not creators. They don't understand the burden that comes with it. But, yeah. Bottom line, biggest loser is not having Game of Thrones on Sundays anymore. Yeah. Uh, counterpoint, maybe now you'll have time to watch college tennis. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that final thing in there. Not um, too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I don't know. Any final thoughts on this one? Oh, man. I want you to know our violin rant was three minutes long. What we cut out. I'm sure Westoff cut it down to like a 10 second little sound effect. But we went for three minutes out of what. Uh, I almost finished. Final, th- final thoughts. Our. <laughs> no, I, mean- I was going to say our wedding. <laughs> <laughs> our our respective weddings will be hilarious is all well, is all I'm gonna say. Is, uh, that's my final thought. <laughs> biggest loser. our civil union that you and I have will be great. I guess bigger big, <laughs> no, I don't wanna throw any names out there. I mean uh, I was gonna say Alright, quack this out, Westoff, at least the name. Bigger loser. Or like Daenerys in all of this after the weekend. Um, and don't worry, I'll, I'll quack out. I was gonna say I'll quack out the the, the first name. Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's close. 
All right, well, we can leave that there. Um, as I mentioned, a huge shout-out to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, who have a f*** of an editing job to do, as always. A huge shout-out to Dalton Thieneman. Seriously, Maxie and I, to you know, meet him through the podcast and get the chance to be at his wedding. Such a special thing. It's part of what makes our Crack Rackets team so fun to be a part of the bond we all share. And I think that bond, that love we share, it really benefits our work. So if you've missed any of that, check out our website, CrackRackets.com. The NCAA tournament is over, but plenty of our player interviews from the week before still stand. So a ton of great content there to listen to. Obviously, we'll have GSPs later in the week breaking down the NCAA tournament, breaking down the French Open and what we expect to see. So be on the lookout for all all of that uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you know the deal with our podcast as well. Like, rate, subscribe, review. We still have a contest going on. If people want to win free gear, leave a review. You know, we would love to send you guys some shirts. I looked great golfing in my Cracked Rackets pocket tee. You can look great doing that too. Even Ariza was wearing the Cracked Rackets, uh, <laughs> Rackets polo. And that's a handsome motherfucker. Yeah, he, he, he really uh, put out for us. That was, that was awesome. <laughs> Uh, but yes, agreed. A lovely weekend again. Congrats to to DT and and the new the newly HT um, beautiful bride and groom, and it, it was fun. Yeah. Any final thoughts then before we wrap up? No, sir. Yeah. Well, then on that note, for my incredible co-host and doubles partner Maxwell LeBauer Rothman, for our super producers Max Flinger and Daniel Wasif, and from our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. Maxie, we're back in the groove now. So what do we say? That's a that's a break. That's a that's break. a that's a break. That's a break. That's a break. We'll see you Tuesday. <laughs>